In today's episode, I interviewed Justin Esger, who's the founder of the virtual consulting group based in New York. Now, Justin, like me, is a bit of a tech geek, but he's actually not a techie himself. He just loves the stuff. And today we talk about a lot of the common mistakes that small businesses make when it comes to their IT, about how to outsource your IT support and about the role of the virtual CTO or the chief technology officer in plain English. And also we talk about website security. We talk about backing up your files. We talk about some great apps that you can use and implement today. And really importantly, how to find people to do all the stuff in your business that you don't know how to do. All of that web stuff, the IT stuff, the programming stuff. And some great tips on the best sites to use to find those sorts of roles. So listen in if you're interested in knowing how to get your IT infrastructure up to speed to make sure that your company is as productive and profitable as possible. So the question is this, how do entrepreneurs like us who don't have an endless supply of cash, how do we leverage the best apps, virtual assistants, automation tools and systems to scale our businesses, increase our profits and have more time to do what we love to do each day? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dr. Steve Day and this is Systemize Your Success. Hi, Justin. Thanks very much for coming on and having a chat with me today. Do you want to kick off, give us a couple of minutes, lowdown on who you are and what you do and how you help people? Sure. So my name is Justin Eskar. I'm the owner of the Virtual Consulting Group. We are a conglomerated group made up of virtual computers where we are an Apple IT provider, meaning we're taking care of clients who have Macs. We do consulting for other IT consultants. We have a conference for IT consultants and we build software. And now recently we've just released our first piece of hardware um, for IT consultants and users across the board. So we're doing everything we can involving computers, specifically Macs. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I got a book and I have a children's book and a t-shirt store and all the, all those fun passive income kind of things that you hear entrepreneurs working with. All right. Awesome. Um, so we talked previously about uh, what you're up to and how you help people. And you also mentioned that you also do a bit of business consultancy as well on the side. Yeah. Cool. And one thing we, we touched on was about outsourcing, funnily enough, it's a subject that always seems to come up when I get in conversation with people. But, um, and we talked about outsourcing different parts of your business. So mm-hmm. just enlighten me what your views are on outsourcing various bits of one's business. I'm, I'm like a huge proponent on this. Like I have an entire section on my book about outsourcing because when I start, like I started as just an IT consultant and then in 2011, the iPad came out and the iPad had an app store. It was before the iPhone app store. And the, the story of the app that I created, which was called Sign My Pad, was all about the fact that like I was playing on my iPad and I figured out you can like draw your signature on it and I made it easy for like people to do my work tickets and stuff like that. The problem was that I can't code, right? I can, I can barely speak English, let alone try to program in another language. So that was my first foray into outsourcing where I hired programmers, um, mostly in India. And then I've hired programmers in the United States. I've hired programmers in, you know, the, the Russian countries. I've hired programmers in New Zealand. Um, and that was like my first foray into doing things, hiring an outsourced programmer, learning how to do stuff from there. From that though, I outsourced things. Like I had a virtual assistant for a long time who would like come up, figure out what I needed, what I was going to make for dinner. Like that's such a silly thing, but like to have someone else make that decision for me or find recipes for me or like, you know, order flowers on specific days that I need to order flowers for, like having a virtual assistant was a great thing. I even outsourced our children's book that I wrote with my wife 
where we had sketches of what we wanted to do and we went on uh, one of the websites and we had someone like do all the graphics for the website which then we took and touched up and put all the words on and kind of made and then just did self-publishing on amazon to put that out so i've outsourced a lot of things i mean i know that in my own business i'm not great at marketing despite being a business major uh and having done the management and the marketing classes when I went to school, you know, 20 years ago, things were different for marketing than they are now. So I outsource a lot of marketing efforts, you know, whether it's a sales company or a company who's going to do my LinkedIn or someone, you know, outsourcing my blog posts and stuff like that. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge proponent of it. And it's very funny how you can outsource literally anything you want. You know, we had a failed project that we tried to do one time um, that was going to be our first piece of hardware years ago. I'm not an engineer, but I was able to outsource through, I think it was Upwork or Guru, and I found an electrical engineer in the middle of the country who was able to help build like a, a semi-working prototype of the thing that I wanted to make. So you can really outsource anything where allowing you to like focus on the core competency of what you can do and like really rock at your business. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I totally agree. I think one of the, one of the Key things, it's, it seems like a small thing, like you say, it's a silly thing, getting someone to decide what you're going to cook in the evenings. But it's it's actually all those those little things which are really achievable for people when they're just getting started. And they think, oh, I've got nothing, I've got nothing that I could get someone to help me with. And then they think, so one of the exercises I get people to do is say, okay, well, just track everything you do each day. How much time do you spend? Whatever it is. Is it cooking? Is it cleaning? Is it, you know, thinking about... Uh, what you're going to cook for dinner, whatever that is. And then think, okay, so is there a way I can get some help with that? And um, right. so one of the things we do, similar to, to, to what you said, is to get um, a delivery of, it's called um, Simple Feast, a little plug for the company. Um, it's based in Scandinavia, I think, but it's a fantastic company. They basically arrive with a box of food and then you yeah. just throw it together. It's really nice organic food. And that takes all the hassle of thinking, well, what have I got to buy? You know, what am I going to make? Come with the recipes. All the rest of it and so that we had that extra half an hour say we save that's quality time with the kids or kid because i only have one and uh and so it's those little things that really make i think the the, the big difference when you all add, add it all up so yeah 100 percent agree i just touching on sort of you were saying about um outsourcing various things like with your writing of your your book where did mm -hmm. you go to find like graphic designers or was it copywriters as well or those sorts of people so for the for the two books that I did, one is a business book, one is a children's book. For my business book, I mean, I wrote the whole thing, but then I found on, I think it was on Fiverr, someone who would format it for um, Kindle because at the time Kindle publishing was new. I needed someone to reformat. But, I, but prior to even that, I found someone on guru.com to like be an editor and like edit the book and like send me revisions. You know, so like I jumped from one to the other. For the children's book, we found somebody on, again, we went to Fiverr. Uh, for those graphic designs, but my current programmer who I work with and even my video editor for our YouTube channel I both found on Upwork um, And I've established like a really good working relationship. I mean the programmer we have now Who's doing our big programs like your computer inventory my computer inventory FreshBooks time tracker things like that I've been working with that guy for three years all through Upwork, right? So even though he's outsourced, I mean I, I talk to him on a regular basis. We have Zoom calls like normal people. Like I still talk to him like as if he's an employee, but he doesn't actually work for the company. He just pays, you know, you think of it like a contractor, right? He charges me by the hour or whatever it is. 
but like I have no ties to him. And if something happens, I can always, you know, get rid of him and get another programmer through that same system. So Upwork, Guru.com, Fiverr with two R's are like the, the three big ones that I use. Um, but it really comes down to what you're looking for. You're not going to find top quality items of a specific thing on all three platforms, right? Like I wouldn't go to Fiverr for programming. Programmers are typically found on Guru or Upwork. But I was shocked when I found my video editor on Upwork and not on Fiverr. I did, however, use Fiverr to make the our little video intro for our, you know, if you see, if you ever watch anything on our YouTube channel, there's like a laptop that opens and it says virtual computers or virtual consulting. That we found on Fiverr. We paid somebody like 20 bucks, you know, we waited three days and it showed up kind of thing. Um, but my video editor and my programmer who I talk to on a regular basis, those are more like for through Upwork. Yeah, actually, actually, big I, plugs yeah. for those three right there. I know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I plug all three all the time, so don't, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, our current developer, our web developers, found on Upwork. In fact, we looked on Guru, didn't find anybody. Went to Upwork, and it was the first time he'd ever got a job on Upwork. He's always oh, wow. been on Fiverr and other platforms, and then uh, we found him on there. So, yeah, you've got to sort of, I think, spread your net wide as well. We always say, you know, if you you want to be a create a recruitment funnel for whatever you're creating, get as many in the top as possible so you can sift through it and uh, hopefully eventually find something that's a really good fit. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, awesome. Um, so getting back a little bit into your niche and something I was actually reading on your blog uh, was about uh, getting a, a VCTO or a, mm. a virtual CTO. So first of all, what's a CTO and how could small business benefit from getting one? Why do we need one? You know, what pain points does that solve and what benefits does it bring? Well, for starters, I'm really glad that you read my article. I'm, I'm glad that I know that somebody's reading stuff on my blog. Um, so a CTO is a chief technology officer, someone who's gonna manage all of your technology, not just like fix things, but manage the technology from a holistic point of view, including things like your budget, you know, inventory, software that the company needs, you know, how the, how the company is, connected, whether in person or outsourced, or as we are now in a pandemic, most people working from home, making sure that data is flowing. Security obviously is a big one, right? The CTO role is to, to manage all of that and then to have people underneath them to do the actual work, right? So a VCTO is a virtual CTO, somebody you don't have to hire full time, you don't have to pay their taxes, you don't have to worry about what happens when they go on holiday and the servers break. Um, so we offer that VCTO service for small to medium businesses because those are the companies that typically wouldn't have in their budget the, the money to have a full-time CTO. Most small to medium businesses have a CEO who's also the president, who's also the owner, and like that's it. Everyone might be a VP underneath if, you, you know, if titles matter and things like that. And then they hire a company like ours which in the industry is called an MSP, but I don't particularly like that, uh, that, that acronym. MSP stands for Managed Service. Uh, 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 oh, man. Managed Services Provider. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how often you I don't really, use those letters. Exactly. Right? You really don't like that. that yeah, I really don't. Like, it's just outsource IT, right? It's just we're the outsource IT. We're, we're the IT person, right? So we're the outsource IT person. But what we're offering now is that another level above that, right? Not are we. Not only are we going to like reset your Google password or like you know help you connect to the server, but we're going to talk to the CEO on a regular basis, set up budgets, set up time, set up meetings, and say like, look. You know, 
your network is X years old. If we upgrade to this and we have these budget items in place and we can take it from, you know, project A and code it with this or whatever, we can increase your network speed by 50%, which increases productivity by 75%. And like figuring that stuff out, that's CTO level things, not just the help me, my computer's broken and us writing back, please restart your computer. Like this is way above that. And those smaller companies, like I said, they don't have it in their budget to, to hire somebody like that, right? So as the VCTO, we come in, we sit down with the president, the owner, whoever, talk through that, work with them, figure out those numbers, figure out, do a holistic overview of their entire system. We're talking about computers, network, printers, scanners, phone systems, software, connectivity, electricity, Wi-Fi, things like that. So all of that gets in, encompassed, encompassed in that uh in that role. Oh, very interesting. So it is very interesting for me because I often work a lot, a lot of our clients, I should say, are really at the beginning of their journey. So they're just often one man bands. They're just getting started with their first few employees. They're probably, probably a little bit away from, from needing a, a, a VCTO, but you know, depends how quickly they, they grow, of course. Um, and actually a lot of the work we do is around the, these areas. It's sort of giving the CEO or the owner, the basic knowledge to get the, the stuff in place in a sort of a, a way which makes them safe and secure. But like you said, at some point, the CEO or the owner of the company really should not be focusing on this stuff. Like this should be given to somebody else because going back to what we said about before, about outsourcing everything, unless you are, you know, an IT, an IT, I was going to say, unless you're an IT geek, then you shouldn't be thinking about this stuff. But actually I've got a degree in computing and I am an absolute IT geek, but <laughs> this isn't the stuff that I should be thinking of, you know, within my own company, because right. I should be focusing on the stuff that only I can do. And this is much more the stuff that actually there's a, there are best practices. There is a way to do this right and a way to do this wrong. And so right. having that expertise must be a massive help. The hilarity of it is as the owner of an IT company, I shouldn't be doing it either. And that's why I have a director of IT who's our CTO basically, who manages it all for us because I need to be focused on, you know, marketing and management and personnel and stuff like that. So even in our own company, we have a CTO, even though we're a five person company. Um, and it's that same role, right? I, I make our guy Luke think about like, What's the best practices here? What are what are the security concerns? Should we be worried about things for our own company, even though we are also the IT company? So it's very funny and very cyclical. So do you do just just go into this a little bit deeper? I'm interested. I had a conversation with one of my clients just now, actually, and um, at the moment they're just trying to figure out how to get a webhook working for um, pinging some automation from their Asana app. So is that the sort of stuff like on a very quite bespoke level that you'd be that that role would get into as well? Or is it the more higher level stuff? It would be more higher level. I think for something like that, what we would do from a CTO perspective is say, like, look, we need to connect Asana to whatever program and we know we need a webhook. Let's go find the right person who can build us that webhook. Yeah. Right. We're not going to build that webhook. None of I mean, we some of the people on my company have some scripting knowledge and stuff like that, but like that's not really where our forte is and that's not what our what virtual computers job function is, but that would be the CTO role saying, okay, if we can't do this, who do we look for? How do we find that person? What websites, what knowledge can I bring to the table from past and say, well, you know, let's go to Upwork and let's go put out a posting saying like, looking for an Asana webhook expert to help XYZ happen. 
and make and then and then managing that whole project top down, right? Yeah. We don't have to be the ones to do the work. We have to be able to manage that entire project. We're doing that now for a client. We have a client who just brought on a cybersecurity firm, right? We're not doing the cybersecurity assessment. We're not doing the NIST and the CCM assessment and all those other things. We're managing the cybersecurity firm, right? That's the CTO level thing. Yeah. No. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, because I think one of the things that I often hear when I speak to people when they're looking for, I mean, it doesn't have to be really complicated stuff. It can be as simple as you know, finding a good web developer. And I can hold my hands up that I've struggled with this as well in the past. So finding a web developer or a even even a designer going the front end stuff. But very much if you're getting into technical stuff, if you know you you, you do a bit of reading, you learn about APIs like um, application protocol interfaces. Anyone's interested to how you get two apps to talk to each other. Um, and there's clever stuff you can do to really automate stuff in your business. But then you go out and try and find somebody. And because you don't know anything about it, you just want the end result. It's really difficult for you to have the knowledge to know, is the person I'm hiring the right person? Do they Are they just yeah. basically going to fleece me? You know, what should this cost? How long should these things take? So I can imagine having someone like this, the, the VCTO role in place, it would end up actually potentially saving you money and a lot of heartache because... You know, they have got that experience, they have got the knowledge, and then they can go, okay, yeah, this person, we can look at their credentials, we can see their, their portfolio of work, you can have a look at their reviews, we know this person knows what they're talking about. So I can imagine that finding the right person is actually quite a really useful thing, actually, for a lot of businesses. And funny enough, we actually, like I said, we do a lot of that stuff in our own business. So we, we created an app called FreshBooks Time Tracker Plus. And basically what it does is it allows us to record, track time in our Zendesk, which is what we use for ticketing, to FreshBooks, which is what we use for invoicing. So if a staff member or my team member goes to a client, they can type up the ticket and they can record the time and, and it, it gets passed through. That didn't exist, it didn't exist. So I went out and I had a fine, I, I knew what my requirements were. And again, again, I don't know how to code, right? But I went out and I said, this is, these are my requirements. Here's what I want it to happen. This is, and I drew a flowchart. I'm a big fan of like drawing flowcharts for those kind of things. Um, I even kind of like sketched out like what I want button wise and stuff like that. And I found a programmer who was able to build a, a working version of it. And I thought we had a great working relationship. And then, you know, it, it went sour. The relationship went sour. Things happen. You know, you, you, you've had past relationships. You've broken up with people. You haven't been with the same person you've known since first grade. Right. So what do we do? You have to be able to know when to cut off and switch to somebody else. So we went and we reposted it and we said, we now have this app, it's semi-working, we need someone to finish it up um, and review the whole thing top down and give us documentation. And then we found another programmer who was able to finish it up and and their review, we went off their reviews and their portfolio, just like you said, and we got them to post and we got the app approved by Zendesk. And now, we're, now we have a, a our first Zendesk app that we're selling. So, you know, it's not just knowing the end result or figuring out those pieces in between. Because again, I have zero idea how the two things talk to one another because, I mean, I could read and learn and do whatever, but I have more important things to do in my time. But knowing what I wanted, knowing how the end result works, knowing that got approved by Zendesk, knowing that it's for sale, knowing that I can market it and stuff like that, that's more important to me than like, is the code so clean that as soon as you hit the button, it sent it to FreshBooks within one nanosecond versus five seconds. Like, I don't care about that, right? The end result is that it works. Knowing what I wanted, knowing how to get there, that journey, that path, that's where someone with knowledge comes in. And keep in mind, I didn't always know this, right? When we wrote our first app, 
and we went to up uh we went to guru the reason i even knew that was my wife at the time was working for a print company who was happening to do happened to do websites and they were using guru to find a web developer so when i was coming up with the idea for the app my wife and i sat down and i was like how are we going to do this and she's like oh you should try guru this is just a passing of knowledge so yeah. if anyone who's listening wants to get into this stuff go to guru.com go to upwork.com see what's out there post a project that you want to post you never know what you're going to hit yeah just this is a bit of a side but you just prompted something that um a conversation i had with with somebody actually specifically helps people locate either individuals or teams to, to run projects not just it projects any sort of business project and one of the tricks he said to do is look if it's quite a big project you're going to invest you know, above a say a thousand pounds or a couple of thousand dollars or whatever it works out to be uh, into a project, and you know upwards of that. Then think about the think about actually putting the job posting out there. But then the first thing you can get people to do is to um, for a fee, so fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, so a, you know nominal amount of money, and sometimes big two or three people for them to kind of say, right, these are this is what we're thinking of doing. Give us your proposal. Give us exactly working. This is this is how you see this mapping out, and then you're basically tapping into knowledge that you is way beyond what you have. You're getting something of real value that you can then compare and contrast and say, "Oh, I can see how these things would work." And you may find the perfect person to do your work for you, but even if you don't, it's a small amount of money to actually really probably push your project development along quite a lot um, by yeah. And, and they're not doing something for free because if you just say, "Oh, I'll send me your proposal." Then either you're going to they're going to work their butts off for nothing, or they're not going to bother because you know there's right. fifty people asking every day. So I thought it was quite a nice trick to sort of start that relationship off well, but also you get something of value in return for for that. I do like that idea. I think also what's nice about that idea is that if you get two or three proposals and they're all wildly different, that also tells you that your idea doesn't make any sense, yeah. right? And that you need to really think about how this is going to work because you know. It's so funny. This reminds me. This reminds me of a math equation I had to do in second grade. <laughs> it's a true story. I love this story. Teacher gave us a, a, a piece of paper, and on it was a curved line, a straight line, and a squiggly line, and it said A on one side and B on the other. And she was trying to teach people that the shortest path from A to B is a straight line, right? But the idea is that there's three different ways of getting there. None of them made any sense. I actually told the teacher, <laughs> true story, I told the teacher the curve line is the fastest way. And she goes, how do you get that? And I said, because everyone else at the table went on the straight line, meaning there's a lot of traffic on that road. So I went around it, <laughs> to which then she called my mom. But uh, the, my point here is that like, if you get these three wildly different things and you know what A is, which is what your idea is, and you know what B is, which is the finale, would you the product which you want it to look like and you get back a straight line a curved line and a squiggly line either this the person who's doing the squiggly line doesn't know what they're talking about or all three of them are so different from one another that that middle process is going to get broken and you're not going to be able to get to be properly yeah. if there was like a straight line and a slightly bent line and a slightly other bent line then you're in the range but if they're so far off from one another it doesn't work and you need to really think about what is your end goal and what are you what are you providing to the to the person who yeah, you're yeah. outsourcing to to make sure that it makes sense yeah i think you get and it goes back to the fundamentals of delegation i mean if you don't tell people exactly what you want in a very clear way then it's very hard for somebody to then come up with something that you're going to be happy with. So this is, yeah. so, all right. Brilliant. Um, all right. I've actually, there's a couple, there's another blog that I read on your post. I was, I was interested. <laughs> I was having a scan through your stuff today. And it's a really interesting post on there. Um, and I thought this one would be an interesting topic for debate, which is the five 
mistakes companies make when it comes to IT? You're going to have to remind It's been a while since I wrote that one. You're going to have to remind me what the five mistakes are. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, we, might have to, we might have to come back to that. I don't have the five mistakes in front of me, and I can't remember off the top of my head. The number one mistake, I'll tell you what, I remember the number one, one mistake is not putting enough some, money into some it. Some mistakes that, that, I, that companies make about the IT that you think that can easily be avoided. Yeah, so the number one is not putting money into IT, right? Uh, and, and putting IT on the back burner. It's look, it's 2021. Stop doing that. Like end of story. So many companies because the problem with IT is that no matter how you look at it, IT is a loss for the company. Period. Right? There's never been a company that has an IT even in Fortune 100 that has an IT department that nets them a profit, right? IT is the loss leader for every company. Why? Cuz IT is expensive, but the ROI on it is the productivity. If you give your staff computers that are from 2010 and you expect them to churn out great, you know, multi-million dollar winning videos and graphics, that's not going to happen. So you have to be able to put money into your IT, put money into your infrastructure and, you know, stop thinking that oh, it's it's, you know, uh, it's fine, the computer's fine, whatever, we'll just deal with it. Don't just deal with it. Fix it, replace it. I'm I'm so in the point now where like someone's like, my computer's not working. I'm like, just buy a new one. Like I don't even care anymore. Just buy a new one. It's so much easier than trying to like figure out what's wrong with it. And most hardware we're talking about hardware cases, not software. But in most hardware cases, it's so much easier to just buy a new one because silicon shortage aside, they're so easily available. I can walk into an Apple store and walk out with three computers, an iPad, an Apple Pencil, AirPods, and they could just you know laugh at me as I walk away the store with $10,000 worth of new equipment, right? Um, so I, that's the number one mistake is, is, is not putting money. The second mistake, I think, if I'm remembering the blog post, is not worrying about security. Um, companies tend, especially smaller companies, tend to not worry about security from the get-go so, because they go, oh, you know, like, who am I? No one's going to really come after me and no one's going to hack me. Here's the thing. They're going to hack you. Why? Because they can, right? I can't tell you how many WordPress websites, even my own, I've had problems with it, but like how many times I've had to go in and save a WordPress website because they didn't install a, a simple security plugin. Like something silly as that to, you know, here, anyone who's listening, if you have a WordPress website and your website is something, something, something dot com slash WP admin, and that's how you log into your WordPress, you're going to get hacked, period, end of story. Like, you're going to get hacked, right? Install a plugin, change the slug, do whatever. There's your free advice for the, for the episode. But that's a huge thing. Put money into security. Put money into backups, email backup. Uh, Google and Microsoft only give you 30-day retention on email. Get a back, you know, get email backup. Those kinds of things. Stop, stop thinking that if you buy, if you if you hire better employees, you're gonna net a better result because those employees can't do anything without good tools. You know, you want to build a house, you're not gonna use a hammer that like the handle is cracked or a screwdriver where the flathead is bent or an electric drill that you know every time you plug it in, you're gonna get electrocuted. Right. You're going to use the proper tools to do the proper job. And it's the same thing here. Put the money in IT, put the money in security. And, you know, no, the rest of it is like stop filing all your emails in your trash. I have people who do that all the time for whatever reason. And like just, you know, train your users on um, 
looking out for phishing emails. The rest of it is all conjuncture. Yeah. If anyone listening wants a tip on backing up their uh, emails and drives, etc. So we recommend, you might have your own recommendations. Well, do you have your own recommendations before I tell you what ours are? Yeah, call us and we'll set you up with it. Uh, but we <laughs> we use a lot of the time we use um in in most cases we'll use Backupify, which is a great product. It's cloud based. It will do Google and Microsoft. In some cases, we actually back up their um, email to a Synology, like an on prem Synology, which is a, a an on premise server RAID that has a bunch of hard drives in it. Um, and there's a couple of others that are out there, but like we we really like Backupify. We use Backupify as well. And uh, there you go. if you're worried about cost, Backupify costs $4 per user. And if you've got, it doesn't matter how many uh, users you've got, you only need to pay for one license. It just depends on how many of their email accounts are things you want to back up. Because obviously you only back up the individual emails as a for each user you pay for. But right. we only have two users we pay for, but we have lots of other users who don't use email in our company. So we don't need to back them up. So simple as that. There you go. Cool. All right. Awesome. This has been um, really, really interesting and um, uh, and very informative. And actually, I must admit, I'm pretty sure my uh, login for my WordPress site is WP Admin. <laughs> but I, uh, I, w, I think it's called. Uh, there's there's a couple iThemes iTeams, which may have changed its name. I think it's WP Best Security or something like that. It does like a walkthrough, thus you change certain things and you get like a score. I'm telling you, for like, for, and it's free. Like, it's that's that you know, you're spending like 20 minutes fixing it and you'll be way better yeah, off. I, I will get my web developer on it um, as soon as we finish this call, in fact. And um, so, yeah, yeah. And, and just, just to sort of really drive that home, I've noticed on my, you get warnings and you go into the back end of your WordPress site and I'll say, attempted failed login, attempted failed login, attempted failed login. And you have hundreds of these. Mm-hmm. these people basically trying to, trying to guess your password using whatever bots they're using to do it to try to hack them, isn't it? So this is, this is, this is real stuff. And I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a big fish. You know, why, why would anybody come and hack me? Exactly what you're because saying. They but they are, they're trying every single day, every, all day, every day. In fact. So yeah, yeah, it's real stuff. And, uh, and it's so simple to fix. Like you say, a simple plugin, a simple change, or, you know, paying $4 a month or whatever it is for your, for your backup. And, you know, I've, I've lost everything before now and I've, I've blogged about it many times and talked about it and uh, that pushed me to get back up a fire. But before then, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So don't wait till it happens to you. Like, listen to our advice now to Justin's uh, great advice on this. So uh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, I want to finish if I may with some questions, which I ask everybody and hopefully the first one is going to be a good one for you, which is all about your favorite apps or plugins. So tell us a bit about your, Two, three, whatever favorite apps or plugins. Uh, I mean, favorite Watch apps. Uh, f- uh, anything that I built. <laughs> of course. Um, of course. Um, I mean, our world is 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 you know we live in Zendesk, so all of the Zendesk connections. There's a company called Sweethawk. They're based in Australia. Um, they're they're amazing. They make amazing Zendesk plugins that we use all the time. Um, including like, you know, calendar plugin, task lists, uh, uh, future tickets, scheduling, stuff like that. And um, I know that I know we actually did a video about how we onboard clients using Typeform, which then automatically makes a ticket in our Zendesk, which then automatically adds a task list from this program from Sweethawk. They're a great small company um, and we love supporting them and they make some great things. We use a lot of that. Um, 
you know, we do a lot of, uh, most of our communications in Slack. So anything that will tie into Slack. So our Zendesk ties into Slack, Zoom ties into Slack, things like that. In terms of apps, I mean, I mostly play Pokemon Go with my kid. Uh, so it's just a lot of that. Um, and then for, for WordPress, another great one is uh, really simple SSL. There's a, it's, I think their website is like really-simple-ssl.com. Um, they have, you can buy a, 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 an, I have an unlimited license cause I have multiple websites, but you can buy a single license for like 60 bucks to go pro and it will force HTTPS on your website, which, um, if you're in marketing, you should know that if you don't have HTTPS, Google will ding you in your results. So you want to make sure you have HTTPS on your website and there's a really easy way to do that. So I really like really simple. Uh, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's really simple SSL.com or something like that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Good tips again. So, who else do you think would be a great guest on this podcast? Well, if you're talking about outsourcing, um, you know, uh, who can I think of? Most of the people who I, I I interview and most people who I talk to in my industry are more about you know mindset and growth strategy. So, I mean, I do have a lot of people who I know, like my business coach, Melanie Curtis, I, I promote her to every every show I'm on because she's super into mindset and growth strategies and, and keeping people organized and things like that. She's huge. Uh, Peter Shankman's another great one um, to bring on. And then uh, Mike Michalowicz, who wrote Profit First, would be great because he actually talks about automating uh, money saving. And, and how to do that by putting things, you know, we used to do it in the day where we, you know, $5 from our paycheck would go in the vacation envelope and whatever. He talks about how to do that, like on a more holistic view and build your business also with the pumpkin plan. And he's gone on to do a couple other things, but I think he would be great also. Yeah. And a, and a great book as well, Profit First. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, cool. Okay. Um, this podcast is called Systemize Your Success. What does success mean to you and why? Owning a jet. I want to buy a plane with a virtual logo underneath it. This is my new thing. Everyone makes fun of me for this, but I'm like, how awesome would it be to have like a private plane with the virtual logo right underneath it? Um, what is success to me? So for me, that's a hard question because I am, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life and I have yet to feel that I have been successful despite the fact that like I've had a very successful consultancy for the last 13 years. We've actually acquired somebody last October. We do consulting. We have the conference. We do all these different things, but right? I have all of the, I have my fingers in all of these little areas and stuff like that. And yet I still don't feel successful from a holistic point of view. Now, everyone around me will tell me that I am successful. My company's been around. I haven't had a fold. With the pandemic, we actually grew, which is a weird thing, you know, because of what happened. For me, success, honestly, would come down to $4.6 million. And I, I it's a weird way to, to express it, but that's an exact number for me that I have. I have it written down on a check in my drawer. So every time I open my desk drawer, it's there. I can see it. I can visualize it. But $4.6 million, I've done the math, and that is my ultimate goal. And the reason for that is the 0.6 will pay off the rest of my mortgage-ish, kind of. And then the other four, $2 million goes into a brokerage account, $1 million is for me to spend, $1 million is for my wife to spend for fun, and I can live off that other $2 million on my investments every year and not have to work anymore. You know, a long time ago, I met somebody, I was like, uh, I said, what is, what's your goal in life? And he's like, I just want to sit on a beach and collect checks. Now, I personally don't like the beach, but like I'm down with that concept. 
right? So success for me would be getting free and clear and being secure financially. Um, but I'm always pushing the envelope and I'm always pushing to like grow and do more and find other ways of doing things. Um, you know, even I will go and spend five minutes to come up with a funny t-shirt to put on our threadless store or our Amazon merch store, just because I think it'll make me another four or five bucks a month, you know, where a lot of people wouldn't even think about doing that because unless it makes them $10,000 a month, they're not going to bother with that project. But I'll just keep putting that stuff out there because inevitably it will all come into me and it will all add up and I will eventually get to that goal where I want to be. Fantastic. Great answer. Okay. Lastly, do you believe you can systemize your success and why? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. So if in my consultancy business, in my IT consulting, if I can hire, let's say three more people, I can be out of that business. So I completely systemize that because I've trained them on how to do things, how to come up with programs, how to come with, how to take care of clients, how to deal with them. Um, and you know, we're in the process right now of documenting all of that stuff as well to build that system so they can run that without me. And then I can, all my programming stuff that I'm doing, you know, all that's already outsourced. So just managing that project. And then I'm kind of in the clear, right? The, there are some things where I have to be involved. So for my conference, for example, I have to be the one getting speakers. I have to be the one getting sponsors um, just because we're too small. But there's plenty of conferences that are out there that have people who do that. And then that person who owns the conference is sitting on a beach collecting checks, I'm sure, right? So can it be done? Yes, it takes a lot of work and you can't do it year one. You have to be able to, when you're starting off or if you're still kind of like in your infancy of business, think about what that long-term goal is work backwards on how you're going to get there and start doing those things now. Start figuring out those systems now. And yes, they may change in the next 5, 10, 15 years due to your personality, due to finances, due to technology, due to whatever's happening in the world. But the concepts have to be the same, right? So if you can start systemizing that now. I wish we documented better when we first started. You know, Now we're 13 years in and we're like, okay, we have a list on how to document. We have to write a document on how to onboard a client. We know how to onboard a client. We just have to write the document on how to do it so that way if we hire anyone new, they can just read it, right? So start those and get those systems in place now and build it so that way you can you, you know what your future is going to look like and it won't be such a chase and you're not going to be like dying every minute being like, oh, I, I, I need to figure this out. You've already figured it out. You've, you did it. Fantastic. All right. Justin, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed this. I've, I've learned a lot as well. And uh, I'm going to go and ring my web developer the minute we put this meeting to close <laughs> and ask him about our WP admin and get that changed. So thank you for that tip. Thank you so much. Cheers, Justin. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. I'm well aware there are hundreds of great business podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. And for that, I am truly grateful. Hopefully what you heard today took you one step closer to building a successful business so you can share your passion with the world and serve an ever-growing number of people. If you got value out of today's episode, then so will someone else you know. By sharing with others what has helped you along your way, you will grow your influence and be the guy or girl that everybody wants to know. 
So please hit the share button right now and also remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. It's impossible for me to cover absolutely everything in these podcasts. So please do head over to systemizeyoursuccess.com right now and download the show notes, transcriptions, and some of my best frameworks and systems for free. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of this amazing community. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Day, and you've been listening to Systemize Your Success. Oh,